Across South Leicestershire and North Northamptonshire. 100% local. Loving life in Harborough. It's your station. Becca's Bulletin Board on 102.3 HFM. Now, you may have heard at least once or twice this week that we have just celebrated our ninth year as full-time broadcasting. But in all those years, uh, we haven't done one thing and we're going to do it this Thursday. We're going to be broadcasting a live play on the radio. And I'm absolutely delighted to be telling you more about it now by interviewing Malcolm Noble. Good morning, Malcolm. Good morning, Becca. I'm very proud to be on the bulletin board. Yes, oh, good. Oh, it's about time, isn't it, really? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's a first, Malcolm, so very excited about this. So you, you've actually yeah. um, you've, you've written a play for, for this Thursday that's coming up on Owen Brooks' show, haven't you? Yes, it's going to be an Owen Brooks' show. Start at half past seven. Yeah. And uh, it's all about a body on the carpet. Oh. A, a nice murder story. Nice murder mystery. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent, and, and there's actually a, a, a sort of actors that are going to come into the studio and, yeah. and read the play live live on air. I've been very fortunate. Actually. I've got together five very very talented actors. Right. And um, when we did the read 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 for you, it was just um, it was just fantastic. I couldn't believe it, uh, that I'd written what they were talking about. Oh, it's nice when uh, it all comes together like that. Yeah, it took it to an exceptional level, and they're all very keen to do it live. Right. So, um, so yes, they're going to be in the studio doing it live, and I'm going to be on the other side of the glass trying to make them laugh. <laughs> Keep them nice and light and, and, and relaxed and, and yeah. sort of in, in roll, if you like. So, you know, yeah. they're, they're sort of keyed up for that. Oh, this. I hope it goes well. I'm sure it will go well. But, uh, it, it'll, be, it'll be nice to see how it turns out. And are you able to give us sort of a gist of the storyline at all without uh, giving too much away? No, 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 no. It's about a, uh, a feisty young lady called uh, Lizzie Waldron and mm -hmm. her boyfriend, set in the 1950s, and uh, they try and help her friend out who's in a bit of a bit of a muddle, and they come across this body on the carpet. Right. And um, so then the police get involved, and they have to sort out what happened. It's a bit of light, it's a bit of Pluto on the air, it's a bit of what it is. Oh, I like things like that. <laughs> That's my kind of genre. I love all the sort of murder mysteries, midsummer murders on the telly, that sort of thing. So, yeah. Oh, fantastic. That's going to appeal to quite a few people because it seems to be seems to be something a lot of people seem to be keen on. The, the sort yeah, of murder a lot of mystery. Yeah, talking about it. A yeah. lot of people are talking about it. So, so um, yeah, I'm pleased that Owen's given us the opportunity to do it. Well, it's exciting. It really is. It's a, it's a first for us, So, and that's and, nine uh, years. <laughs> and it's getting quite close. It was a long time ago, a long time ago, um, a few weeks ago, but now it's only a few days. Ah, uh, it'll be so fine. So the old nerves are beginning to rack up. So by Wednesday, you'll be thinking, what am I doing next? What's the next play we're going to have on HFM? Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Get a bit of a series going, Malcolm. That sounds great. <laughs> oh, fabulous. So well worth tuning in for, guys. I mean, we, we normally sit here, we play music, we sort of chat a bit, and then that's that. But this is this is going to be quite engaging, quite revealing. Oh, exciting yeah. stuff. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Oh, well, yeah, so if, if, we, if we have play number two, so you have to come back onto the bulletin board, we'll have a chat about it. Okay. Uh, tell everyone when it's taking place and they can listen to that. But before that, <laughs> listen to the first one. Yeah, that's this, yeah, I'll concentrate yeah, on this one first. So that's 7.30 this Thursday, isn't it? That's right, yeah. Fabulous. Malcolm, thank you so much for being on my bulletin board this morning. Okay, I'm very pleased to do it. many more. <laughs> do I get a certificate? Uh, oh, I could probably introduce that, couldn't I? 
Yeah. I will do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you take care. Thanks ever so much. Okay. All right then. Bye. Bye. Thank you, back. We look forward. Ladies and gentlemen, Harper FM presents Kate Gamble as Lizzie Waldron and Jack Gamble as Roger in Lizzie Waldron's Day Return. It is 1958. What do you think you are doing? I'm opening a letter. Roger, we are not married. We are not even living together. You cannot just walk in here and start opening letters. But we know it's from Mary Twitchell. My God, we're not even talking. Have you forgotten that? I don't even know what you're doing here. I left the party last night without you, remember? Of course I do, with Mealy Mousehole. His name is Neil, and Mousehole is pronounced Mousel. I abandoned you, Roger. Message received? It wasn't really your idea. He was pushing up close against you all night, and when you got cross with me, you just sort of... Well, took the line of least resistance. Really, Mealy doesn't count. And anyway, no one at the party took your gestures seriously. They all thought it was rather a joke. You've always been the same. I let you hang around me longer than I should, and you think that gives you some sort of say in what goes on. Don't open my letters. Not that much goes on when you're about. Half the trouble is that you couldn't care less. If only you'd try a little harder, Roger. She says her father has taken back the statuette. It's special because the figure is her mother in her dancing days, and it's all she's got to remember her by. Old man Twitchell's got keys to Mary's digs. That's the trouble. A joke? That's what people thought, was it? Well, I meant it to count, for God's sake. She says you and Roger are so good at these things, and if you can help get it back, she'd be very grateful. She can't phone because she's in London all day. Love, Mary. Give me that letter. And don't just sit there. Put the coast on. Poor Mary. She can't go to the police because the old lampshade's worth more than five grand. They'd arrest her dad and dump him in the dungeons more than likely. It's a statuette, not a lampshade. We can't leave Mary to sort it out. She'd make an awful mess of things. And her dad won't have her in the house. Hmm. It wouldn't take more than a couple of hours. We promised, Roger. We said no more burglary. Oh, but such a convenient house, if I remember right. Low roofs. Sash windows, that alley, all obscured. You took a you took a look at it last summer and said it would be a doddle. Oh, it's good to be up to no good again, Lizzie. Nobody does what they shouldn't be doing like you and me. We've always been lucky, Roger. Nonsense. It's because you're good at it. Don't forget, along the back alley, onto the flat roof and in through the open window. I'll keep watch. And you've got a story ready, in case you're caught. Oh, one of my best. I'm rather proud of it, actually. I'll tell them that I'm waiting for you to... Yes, well, give me 20 minutes. If I don't come out for the statuette before then, it means that Mary's old man has collared me, red-handed. He's got a nasty side to him, they say. If I don't get back, you've got to knock on the front door. Say that... Roger, what are you doing? I do wish you'd pay attention. I thought I heard a dog. Look... Don't let me down, Roger. If I'm not back in 20 minutes, you've got to come round the front. Say you've a message from Mummy, and I must leave at once. Roger. Pardon? Roger. Wilco. Roger and out and all that. Off you go. Uh, uh, no, wait. What? Lizzie, you haven't got a gun, have you? Don't be silly. Of course I haven't. Wish me luck. Oh, bugger. Hmm. Mary lost a statuette and asked her friends to go and get... It. Uh, hmm. That needs some work. Uh, Mary lost a figurine and...
something, something in between. Hmm. Now then, what are you two lovebirds up to? Oh, uh, good evening, Constable. Yes, that's it, lovebirds. Oh, I say, love at first sight. She's supposed to have been home half an hour ago, so she's climbing in the back way and I'm just keeping watch to make sure it all goes off safely. That would be Miss Mary Twitchell. She doesn't live with her father, you know. No? Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. She was just telling me. Off and on, isn't it? Love at first sight, you say? <laughs> Bravo. On Waterloo Station two hours ago. Strange. Oh, it happens. Waterloo, I mean. You can't get trains to here from there. Well, London Bridge. Not there neither. St Pancras? A, a train from London Bridge, then change at St P. I wanted to go further around, but she wouldn't. Collect train numbers, you know. Uh, that's how we met. On Platform 8, Waterloo Station. Both with our notebooks. I said, what's your name? And she said, Mary Twitchell. And I said, do you want some coffee? And she said, no, because the Plymouth Express was coming in. It was supposed to have funny coaches on it, and she wanted their numbers. So, you know how things are. I showed her my notebook, and she showed me hers, and, you know, I asked to take her home. And here we are. I see. From there to London Bridge. And then good old St. Pancreas and here. You think her old man will understand? Oh, now, Mr. Twitchell's got a nasty side to him, I've heard. Not with his daughter, surely. Only it seems to me more like breaking and entering. Well, yes, uh, but quite lawful. I mean, breaking and lawful entry, being as it's Father Twitchell's house. What's that? Trouble, do you think? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, no, I shouldn't think so. No, something that just goes bump in the night, I should say. Hmm. I might like, take a look round the front, sir. You stay here. No running off now. London Bridge to St Pancras, you say? Bugger, I told Roger to put fresh batteries in this torch. Can't he do anything right? Now, if the statuette's not on the radiogram, or the television, it must be on the mantelpiece. No? Well, the... Who's that? God, there's someone in the house. Hello? Lizzie, don't be a plum. Mary's dad lives alone, and Mary's in London for the day. There's no one else in the house. Now, the bookcase. If I can just move the... What are you doing down there, Mr. T? You're... Oh, my God! Oh, my God! God, he's dead! Roger! For God's sake, come! Roger! tiny detail. Only one detail? Well, we can change that, can't we, Lizzie? Your friend Mary confirms that the statuette was missing and that she wrote to you asking for help. She doesn't go as far as agreeing that she suggested burglary. I didn't pass over that. I wish youngsters like you would think twice before involving yourself. It always ends up the same way. Not a clever sort of mess at all. Not at all clever. You said except for one detail, Inspector. Yes. 
Young man, it's your mention of a constable on his beat that puzzles us. Yes, well, not an unlikable chap. A little over-suspicious, I thought. My story was absolutely believable. One of my best, I think. I was standing on Waterloo Station, Platform 8, and I saw that she had a notebook like mine. So I said to her, uh, yes. what's your... Yes, all right, Roger. We've checked all our duty rosters, and none of our policemen were patrolling that street corner last night. Excuse me all. Tea all round. I thought you could do with that. Yes, thank you very much, Sergeant. I'm off in ten minutes. Just thought I'd say. Yes, well, I'm sure we'll be finished before then. Very good, ma'am. Not one of yours? You mean he was from another force? That's odd. No, miss. I mean he was a bogus policeman. Not the first we've heard of him. He's been on the scene of half a dozen recent burglaries. We suspect that he's a lookout. Although this statue is worth mm, over five thousand pounds. It really? Well, that does seem to be out of his league. I have to say that this man is rapidly becoming my curse. His crimes always occur on my patch, you see. I'm fed up with him hounding me. It's as if he's making fun of me. Today was my day off. I spent the day decorating our back bedroom. Margaret's mother is coming and Margaret insists I give it a little bit of paint for her. Then, just as I sit down for the evening, the phone goes. And this imposter is on my back again. I would be very grateful for any help you can give. Any details, that is. I don't mind telling you the truth. My superiors are beginning to wonder if our ghostly copper has got the better of me. Roger, you must be able to help the inspector. Well, uh, let's see. He was a policeman. I mean, he looked like a policeman and he said policeman things too. He was dressed like a policeman and he stood with his hands behind his back and went up and down on the balls of his feet. Yes, sir. Uh, like a policeman. Yeah, but wait, I have an important clue. Yes, I did notice something. Ah, good man, good man. Excuse me interrupting, Mom, but some cakes from the canteen. Edna was ready to throw them out, but I thought, I know Miss Lizzie would like those. Knowing Miss Lizzie's mother like I do. Chief Officer Waldron, Mom. Wrens, that is, Mom. Retired. Of course, she wasn't when I knew her. Retired, that is. And I have to say, Mom, and to you, Miss Lizzie, there wasn't a truer chief officer on the base. Everyone had a good word for her. I'd just like to say, Mom, if these young people would like a lift home, I'd be very happy to oblige. Shall I hang on, Mom? Long grey dog hairs on trouser leg bottoms. Oh, no. Chief Officer Waldron was especially smart, sir, and expected the same of her huts. I recall one occasion when Princess Alexandra was coming and... It's quite all right, Sergeant. Roger has been doing some thinking, and he finds it much too difficult, almost impossible, to listen to what's going on at the same time. In which case, Miss Elizabeth, I will oblige by waiting. Thank you, Mom. Now then, we need to keep an eye out for his dog, you say? A long grey one. Yes, a long-haired grey dog with a man who looks like a policeman. And now we return to Lizzie Waldron's Day Return.
following afternoon, our two sleuths are in Lizzie's kitchen again. Roger, a lady cannot answer the phone with her mouth full. You can. Actually, it all sounds rather manly. Pick it up. Inspector Dainty? Ah, Inspector Dainty, with clean cuffs, fingernails and very clean shoes. You've arrested the bogus Bobby? Well, that's great. Now we need to persuade him to give you the name of the killer. A bit of the treatment, eh? Is that it? Give him the treatment, boys. Well, if that doesn't work, Lizzie's got a vital clue for you. Oh, very well, Inspector. Roger and out. Oh, Roger, what have you done? You have got one, haven't you, Lizzie? I mean, a vital clue. A cheap day returned to London. I found it on the floor at Twittle Lodge when I fell over the old man. It could have dropped out of his pocket. Or not, Roger. What did you think? Oh, Lord. A ticket to London, and that's just where Mary was on the day her father died. I kept it because, well, you said it. We need to think. We don't want to give the police anything that will help them make a case against Mary. Unless she did it. Oh, Roger, don't be ridiculous. No, she went to London with me, the mousel. I fixed it for them. You knew? Oh, dear, Roger. It was the only reason he wanted to take me home after the party. He wanted to recruit me as matchmaker. Oh, damn it, Lizzie. He wanted Mary to be his alibi. Or could it be the other way round? He's bound to say that Mary was in London with him all day, but she could have got back in time to do in her dad. Yes, dropping the ticket on the floor. You'd better phone Mary. Tell her I've important news and she's to meet me in the park at eight. Oh, Lizzie, wouldn't it be better to wait for your mother to turn up with more policemen? Oh, do try a little harder, Roger. The murderer's got to have time to kill me and get away before the police arrive. Otherwise, he won't do it. Lizzie, this is not sensible. I know. Rather stupid, actually. But it is fun, isn't it? Now, you keep out of sight, but stay close. You're the only true season ticket I've got. You know that. Lizzie, did you mean what you said? Shh. That morning over breakfast, when I was reading Mary's letter, you said that not much goes on when I'm about. Half the trouble, you said. Be quiet. But did you mean it? Because if that's what the trouble is, I can always, well, try a little harder. I know what you meant about nothing happening. I'm not a twitch, you know. Oh, Lizzie, are you all right? Lizzie? Oh, God, I can see her coming. Lizzie, I'm ready to pounce. Just at the right moment. Oh, my God, it's not her. Good evening, Miss Elizabeth. I've spoken to Mary about you and your vital clue. She says you know the murderer. Yes, she goes as far as that. I only said that to make sure she came here. Oh, I do wish I could believe that. You're certainly a very clever young lady, Miss Waldron. But I can't see where we slipped up. Your alibi, being in London all day. That should have been a strong enough story. And I think you should have stuck with it. But when you realised that you'd lost the railway ticket in Twitchell Lodge, you were scared that it might incriminate you. You had to think of another story on the spot. Rather a clumsy one, if I'm not that I'm old enough to criticise. Decorating? You said you'd been decorating all day. But I saw no specks of paint on your shoes or in your hair. Not a fleck behind your ears. Unusual for somebody called from their painting in a hurry. And your accomplice our phony policeman. Whenever he was there, you were on duty. Too much of a coincidence. 
You know he won't keep quiet when they talk about an accomplice to murder. Tell me, when Mary reported the missing statuette, did you make a proper record of it? Maybe I got the description wrong. Wildly wrong. Because you didn't want to draw attention to a simple burglary. I do like the way you set it up. You and our phantom copper would do the burglaries and then you, as the investigating officer, would cover them up. A pity Mary's father put up a fight. Well, I can't have you running around asking questions, so I'll make the next bit very quick for you. I don't think so, Miss Dainty. Our chief and your chief heard everything you said. I think they want a word with you. Lady, you'd better tell the Chief Constable all about it. When I found the railway ticket, I thought it had fallen from Mr. Twitchell's pocket as he fell. But of course there's no reason why that had to be the case. It could just as easily have been dropped by the murderer. I kept it to myself until I was sure that it didn't implicate Mary. Next time you find a dead body, you might prefer to be completely open with the investigating officer. Although in this case, it worked in your favour, Gerald. Well, yes, yes. Just making the point. Inspector Dainty wanted me to believe that she'd been at home decorating all day. That did make me wonder if she'd lost the ticket and was trying to put me off the scent. You see, I was already puzzled by the strange clue of the burglar's piece of string. What? what what's this about a, a length of string? Well, that's what it was like. As if he was tied to this subdivision with a piece of string. Figuratively speaking, Gerald. Oh, yes. A figurative piece of string. He only burgled on Dainty's patch when, and they made sure that Miss Dainty was always assigned to the case. Whenever the bogus policeman turned up, Dainty came along too. And she was able to cover their tracks. Now, I would have liked to have collected other evidence, but Roger spilled the beans, telling her that I had an important clue. So I decided to give Inspector Dainty the chance to silence me if she had anything to hide. A foolish strategy, miss. We would never have agreed to it without your mother's support in the matter. Oh, Lizzie would have gone ahead, with or without our blessing. I've learned that it's easier to follow her escapades rather than to impede them. I knew she would ask Mary Twitchell what I was up to, and Mary would tell her about our eight o'clock meeting. I made sure that I was there from seven o'clock, giving her ample time to sh snuff me out and cover her tracks. But, Chief Constable, you are far too much of a match for her. Oh, yes. Well, thank you. Try our best, you know. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Harborough FM's production of Lizzie Waldron's Day Return. A play for radio with Kate Gamble as Lizzie and Jack Gamble as Roger. Inspector Dainty was played by Viv Crowther, Lizzie's mother by Marilyn Osborne and David Quayle played the policeman. The music was from Freeze Effects and your announcer was Viv Crowther. Lizzie Waldron's Day Return was written by Malcolm Noble. The world of Malcolm Noble's crime fiction. Thank you.